Hello and welcome to another episode of the Messed Up Gardener. My name is Esther Aiken. I'm your host for today and I'm absolutely buzzed to be here. I hope the last two weeks have been happy and productive for you. My week has been a mixture of day jobs, kids and home renovations and a dose of COVID. At the same time, we're trying to tidy our house up, which includes a lot of painting. And my partner was currently in between a honey harvest, so he decided to deploy his staff into helping at home. Our home is also our business address, which pretty much means that he deals with clients here as well. So of course it pays to have a tidy, presentable home. But with the boys out there scraping wooden windows, and my partner working inside, and obviously me trying to do my day job on the days that I do actually work from home, it has been interesting with everything covered in dust and the late nights, including painting kitchen ceilings, etc. And one, I'm exhausted, and two, I also have a full-blown sinus infection which has come from all the dust and COVID. So if you do hear me snotting or coughing, I do apologise. Yes, I have also been completely isolated from my partner and my child, staff and work colleagues, etc. We're doing our best to obviously prevent it from spreading. So far, they're perfectly fine. And to this point, nobody is testing positive other than me. This makes case number two of COVID within the last three and a half months for me. And trust me, I am not very impressed at all. I can't, I don't even know where on earth I picked it up. But anyway, with the weather we've been having, my garden is growing absolutely bonkers because I do successional gardening. A lot of my lawn edges are full of bok choy, perpetual spinach, tomato plants, and also a lot of swan plant seedlings. Normally I'd be digging these out and replanting, however, I have not had the opportunity yet and the monarch butterflies are absolutely devastating the swan plant seedlings, which means I can't even get a chance to go through it and replant these plants because they've already been chomped down. I think this year has probably been one of my most successful years when it comes to the swan plants and I have probably had a few hundred caterpillars or so go through to chrysalises which is really exciting because not a lot of people plant swan plants these days. A friend of mine was chasing me for some swan plants because she had way too many caterpillars and I couldn't even help her out because mine have been eaten so badly. I think the plant however I am most proud of at the moment well tree really is my persimmon tree so before the previous growing season my partner helped me repot the persimmon because my section is quite small I tend to grow a lot of things in large pots or in this case two litre drums cut in half and filled with really good quality potting mix the painters we've had here are just amazing they have been covering it up when they're working in the vicinity of my big trees so that they don't get damaged. And this year's persimmon crop is something to be, well, I'm very proud of. It didn't do much last year as it was obviously adjusting to its new pot, but boy, am I going to get a seriously amazing crop out of it this year. The persimmon can be considered a subtropical plant and no, it doesn't grow everywhere in New Zealand and it does love certain conditions. So the main reason you don't see the persimmon fruit on the shop shelf often is because of the limitation to its viability on the shop shelf due to the perishable nature of the fruit, which for the local market growers is quite a win as it maintains its value when sold in the traditional roadside fruit store 
or provision to the local fresh fruit and veggie suppliers. They do taste amazing when they're tree ripened. However, it's humans versus birds. So if you choose to leave the fruit on the trees, just be very aware that you are going to require a little bit of extra love to protect them from those little, well, the beaks of birds anyway. So when considering planting subtropical plants in your garden, there are several questions you should ask yourself to ensure the success of your garden, right? In this episode, I have come up with a few questions that I hope will be helpful when deciding if planting subtropical plant species in your garden is right for you. One of the first questions to ask is, what is the climate like in my area? Okay, everybody knows what their weather's doing, but everybody's weather conditions are different and clearly subtropical plants thrive in warm and humid climates with mild winters. That does not mean that If you're in a freezing cold situation, you can't grow subtropical plants. It just means that you have to get a lot more creative around the growing environment that you do use, for example, a shade house or a glass house where you can manage the climate around your plants. But where I live, the climate is more tropical than not. Apparently, we can even grow bananas. Even if they're not the commercial variety we're used to seeing on the shop shelf, there are some of the smaller ladyfinger varieties that do quite nicely. If you do wish to grow them outdoors, then make sure your region provides the necessary conditions for subtropical plants to grow. Another very important important, sorry, factor around growing subtropical plants is understanding your soil requirements, which clearly leads to the next question which is, do I have the right soil for subtropical plants? Subtropical plants usually prefer well-draining soil, rich in organic matter. So amend your soil if needed to ensure it meets those requirements. There are a number of soil tests you can do to double-check that you have the right type of soil, but if in doubt, you can always buy yourself some decent potting mixes and plant directly into those potting mixes. I found that by spending money on good quality potting mix rather than the cheap crap you can buy, it really does pay off in the end because the quality potting mixes are less likely to have bugs in it, and they also tend to have a good balanced nutrient content. Even though all potting mixes are bulk produced, the more expensive branding have a reputation to uphold rather than some of the cheaper nasties produced by the supermarket chain brands. I'm not knocking the cheaper brands, hear me out, as they are always really great if you're just trying to bulk out some areas. But when it comes to subtropicals, if you're spending good chunks of money on the plants, then it just pays to buy quality. And believe me, when I say some subtropicals can be really expensive. Something I have had come up regularly in the past is a question that was often raised while I was working in the garden centres as people were complaining their plants were not, they just weren't thriving. And as you're working down the question list of possibly why they're not thriving, it was amazing how many gardeners did not look at their sunlight levels, which leads to the next question. How much sunlight does your garden receive. Now the ideal answer would be that most subtropical plants require full sun to thrive. Ensure your garden gets at least six to eight hours of sunlight daily. I'm not saying go out there and stand there with a timer and wait for the sun to come up and go down. There are local weather websites that actually track these sunlight hours for you for your region but again as a general rule at least six to eight hours of sunlight. Now I would not be much of a gardener if I did not raise this next point, especially around subtropicals, and that is, 
what is the water availability in your area? Subtropical plants typically need regular watering. So consider your access to water sources and irrigation options. If you've never been to a subtropical climate, have a nosy at, say, Rarotonga, Vanuatu, or Fiji even. Something they all have in common is they have rain regularly in the afternoons. And as you can imagine, the vegetation on some of these islands are incredibly lush and leafy with green vistas as far as the eye can see. Now, as much as I absolutely love growing my subtropicals, I know that we get some seriously cold weather during the winter and that is where you need to double check and that you are prepared to protect plants from frost. Subtropical plants are sensitive to cold temperatures. Have a plan to protect them during frosty nights. This could consist of simple coverings like newspaper. Just remember that newspaper can actually freeze onto the plant. So just be mindful when you rip it off in the morning. But I would still be spending some money on some decent frost cloth, which is completely reusable and easy to clean. The specialised frost cloth is also, in most cases, very lightweight, whereas... um, If you're using, you know, sort of bed sheetings and things like that, the weight of the sheet can often do more damage than what a frost would. And of course, you need to be able to use something that you can easily manipulate around the vegetation you're trying to protect. The next question I want to raise, and I've asked myself this several times, especially because I have a small town section, and that is, do I have space for the plants to grow? So subtropical plants can grow quite large, so make sure you have enough space for them to reach their full potential. Honestly, I have fallen into this trap with my giant peacely. I have it planted in a pot and situated in my lounge, and if I had to give it a sizing, I would say the canopy would be one and a half by one and a half, maybe 1.8 metres wide. Apparently it weighs a ton. Uh, I wouldn't know. Uh, I'm not game enough to lift the pot that it's in however because we've been painting my partner did move it and I swear it really did literally take out quarter of my lounge when it was moved into the office I just did not realize how big it was had I known it was going to be this big when I first got it would I have bought it I don't really know I probably would have just winged it anyway like I did I have had it for a good 13 years now and it has basically grown into its spot My partner, when he put it back in its original spot after he finished painting, he got out the secateurs and gave it a bit of a haircut. I almost cried. I don't think I've ever pruned it other than taking out the dead leaves and giving it a really good feed. I must admit, however, it does look better, so don't tell him that. But either way, it does definitely look a lot more manageable and I'm sure it'll help with its health at the same time. Again, another key point in maintaining your subtropical plants are knowing if there are any pests or diseases common to those species in your area. That's what obviously implies you need to do a little bit of homework researching common pests and diseases that affect those subtropical plants in your region and have a plan in place to prevent or treat them. A good example of that would be some funguses that impact on, say, banana plants, 
We've also had real issues with the army worm lately, so it pays to keep an eye out for anything suspicious. If you're planting subtropicals in your garden that are not native to your environment, that may be more susceptible to the general local pests or diseases, there are some really awesome community gardening clubs that are bound to be in your area that should be able to help if that you know if you do have any issues. Okay, so here's the fun part, and that is to ask yourself if you do have the time and resources to actually care for subtropical plants. Subtropical plants may require more care and maintenance compared to native plants of your area, so ensure you have the time and resources to dedicate to their upkeep. For example, you may need to maintain a glasshouse environment for some of your subtropicals. That's basically like having extra kids that require a bit of extra TLC. The next question is something that is often forgotten when buying subtropicals on Impulse, for example. I'm really bad at that, from a garden centre or another plant supplier. And that is, will the plants complement the existing landscape? So consider how subtropical plants will fit into your current garden design and whether they will complement other plants and features. Case in point, my giant peace lily that's taken over the house. Clearly, I didn't really think that one through. Now, subtropicals are not only pretty leafy plants, but they can also be highly productive plants in your garden. And here are some of the easiest subtropical fruits a gardener can grow in their garden. <laughs> subtropical fruits are a delightful addition to any garden due to their unique flavours and adaptability to various climates. The first one you can find in almost every home garden here in New Zealand, and that is the lemon. So lemons are a versatile fruit that thrive in subtropical regions. They can be grown in pots or directly in the ground, requiring well-draining soil and plenty of sunlight. The next is a massive industry here in the Bay of Plenty, and that is one of my favourite toast toppings as well, which is the humble avocado. So avocado trees are easy to grow in subtropical climates and can be cultivated both outdoors and in pots. They need well-drained soil and regular watering and honestly a bit of a Google search will tell you everything you need to know about how to grow avocados. Just remember it pays to buy a grafted avocado versus a seed growing because you get your fruiting a lot quicker that way. The next one has been a little bit more tricky but I have managed it once and that is the pineapple. So pineapples are a tropical delight that can be grown in pots in subtropical regions. They require well-draining soil, ample sunlight and occasional fertilisation. It's a good one to try with the kids as well. Okay this one is one that I have personally not been very successful with but my ex-mother-in-law managed to always create some incredible guava jellies which is basically a guava jam, just not with so much sugar. Now, guava trees are low maintenance and can be grown both in the ground and in pots in subtropical areas. I've seen them as some incredible hedging here in New Zealand as well. They do prefer well-drained soil and regular watering. And of course, I cannot leave this episode without mentioning the passion fruit. So passion fruit vines are perfect for subtropical gardens and can be grown in pots or on trellises. They require well-draining soil, full sunlight and regular pruning for optimal fruit production. Now if you've never had a passion fruit, they are absolutely divine if you are making a dessert covering for a pavlova, for example. Yum, right? So by choosing these easy to grow subtropical fruits, it can add a touch of exotic flair 
for example, to your outdoor space. It can be incredibly rewarding growing subtropical fruits. I know if I had more space, I would definitely be growing more varieties. Now, I am really hopeful that some of the suggestions I've raised in this episode will be of assistance. If you do have any gardening questions, please do reach out. I'm going to keep compiling a list and every now and again I will do an episode on a bunch of combined questions every week. I do mention this and don't be shy. Let me know if you're needing some private coaching. No matter what level from beginner to experience, reach out and let's chat. I have a few one-on-one gardening mentoring spots available. Sometimes it really is easier to accomplish a task or a project having a gardening mentor and quietly holding you accountable to whatever tasks you set. Click me DM or email me and let's check to see how we can work together. My contact details as always are in the show notes. Don't forget to email me or DM me for any one of my gardening freebies and as always I say gardening can happen in any space and in any place and on any budget. Have an incredibly abundant week and I will buzz you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I would love to hear about your gardening adventures. Flick me a DM on Instagram at The Messed Up Gardener or send me an email and let's connect. Don't forget to check out my gardening reels on TikTok. If you are looking for some help planning your next garden project or just need some one-on-one private coaching, reach out and let's get growing. If you have a garden-related business or you're looking at starting a gardening business, including arboriculture, land clearing, firewood or a general plant growing and selling business, Let's work together in my one-on-one private business development coaching container, having helped my clients grow several six-figure plus businesses, including from startup to working on million-dollar open space management contracts for many years now. Let me help you and let's grow your business so you can leapfrog your profits and establish a viable and sustainable business. If you're looking for a business podcast, check out my The Let's Buzz You Up podcast available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If this episode was at all helpful, please share with others and let's get growing in any space, in any place and on any budget. Till next time, happy gardening and buzz you later.